Well, welcome again to Susquehanna Valley Church. My name is Matt. I get to be a senior pastor here. I love that you're coming out when it's a little bit colder. This is my kind of weather. I really, really enjoy it. So uh, I, I'm kind of in my element. I might preach for like three hours up here this morning. So go ahead and get comfortable. You know, I was thinking this week, um, I wanted to share with, with all of you that it's not often that I watch a television show and start to, start to cry a little bit. It's not often, but once in a while, like, it just connects with me. It hits me right where I'm at, and maybe the wife and the kids aren't there, so I feel free to be emotionally vulnerable in that moment. And that, that happened this week, and I, and I was sitting at home watching this show, and I just, I started to cry. And I was thinking, you know what, it's not just, it's, it's, it wouldn't just be me, this would be anybody would cry. Because sometimes when you're watching a really good episode about how to make barbecue, it just connects with you, you know? It just, it's just right there. And, no, in all, in all seriousness, I started to watch an episode. Uh, it's called The Chef's Table. It's on Netflix. It's about these, these pit masters, these experts at barbecue. And I watched it, and honest to goodness, I started to tear up. I did, because it's not so much about how they make the food. It's really about the person, the pit master, the person in charge. And, and so this, this uh, episode was about this woman named Tootsie. That's her, that's her nickname. But Tootsie, Tootsie is world known in the barbecue world. I mean, she is like, she is as celebrity as they get, but you would never know it. Because she honestly, she reminds me more of my grandmother than she reminds me of anybody else I've ever seen on TV. Just this incredibly sweet woman, and, and they're telling her story about how, how her husband passed and how that was difficult for her and how her son died and how that was a challenge for her. And I'm thinking, this isn't a barbecue show, man. This is like life. And I'm just feeling it and feeling her pain. And um, there was a line where she was talking about how she just loves to make barbecue because it makes her slow down. And it makes everybody slow down. You can't do things as quickly as you used to. You, you just got to take your time to do it right. And there's a line that she, she makes, a statement she makes where she says, even though all the celebrity, even though all the renown where, where people drive from all over the country, they fly from different, from different countries to be able to have her food, she says, I still feel simple and I just want to be polite to everybody I meet. And I thought, what a powerful statement. I still feel simple. And I loved it. And it, it struck a chord with me because I think there's deep down part of us that wants to be simple, that wants to let go of all the complexities, all the busyness, all the things that everybody expects that we expect, and just be simple. And just enjoy people and to slow down and to interact with each other in a way that values somebody else for who they are and just values the connection that we've had with them. We're in this series, Connections and, and Connected, and the, the whole idea is that God made us to be people who are past surface level relationship with others, who genuinely get to know, who have a deep, deep admiration for one another. See, I think if we're going to be people like that, you know what we've got to do? We've got to learn from our generation's mistakes before it's hindsight. Before it's looking back, we have to be a people who are wise enough, who are in the middle of a cultural movement to say, you know what? I see the errors in it right now. 
I see how we keep adding things to our schedule and we keep shortcutting ways to interact with people and finding ways that we can have relationships that are really simple, but, but they're not deep. They're, they're not something that we cherish. I think we've got to be wise enough to say, I don't want to wait for 30 years from now and look back and say, why did we get so busy? Why do we always have something to do and somewhere to go? Why couldn't we just get together with other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to just enjoy God in them and God at work through them, and I'm just going to love them. I, I, think, we've got to be, I think we've got to be wise before our time. You know, sometimes we make that statement, we want to be wise before our time, or, or he's wise or she's wise you know, at a younger age. Let's be wise before our time. And let's say, you know what, there's a tendency in our culture where you've got to keep moving, you've got to keep doing something, and, and you've always got to have somewhere to be and something to do. Why don't we just slow down and say, God, I want to be good at loving people. <coughs> Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, and he says, he, he says this about love, that love never fades, that love doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. We're always going to have love. So let's let love be at the center of what we do and how we value one another. Let's be simple and say, I'm just going to love people. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that I think that just jumps off the page this morning. It's one of those parts of Scripture in Romans chapter 16 where, honestly, if you're at home reading through your Bible, this is one of the ones where you just kind of go quicker because it's the section of the Scripture that's about greetings, so Paul gets done with his kind of theological analysis of what the church of Rome is believing and what they should think according to the society that they're living in. And then he talks about how they should love each other and, and what they should do practically. And then you get to 16 and it's like, all right, he's just saying hello to everybody. So I'm just going to move past that. But I've read that more this week than ever before. And the more that I read it, the more that I see the untold story that jumps off the pages that, that we see what it is that Paul values in connections with other people. We see his value system. We, we as a church, we're a value-driven church. So, so there's, a, there's a group of statements that we as elders kind of landed on with elders and staff where we're, we're gonna, everyone's invited. That's a value statement of ours. We want anybody to feel like they can show up here and hear the good news of what the Scriptures teach. We're going to be a source of grace, not drama. That who we are in Christ and how much love he has is more important than any little petty issue that I could have down here. We have these values that drive our behavior as a church. Paul's got values and they jump off the pages of the greetings in Romans chapter 16. I'm going to, I'm going to read, and honestly, it's one of those things that's not just hard for you to read on your own. It's hard for you to read and pay attention to, when, or listen and pay attention to when somebody else reads it, but please get, give, me, give me your attention here and just try to pick out what it is that Paul appreciated about the connections he had with other people. Because this, in, in their literature of the day and age, for them to write a letter to somewhere and to include this much of a massive list of greetings, I mean, th this is unheard of. There's, there's no parallel for this in other literature of their age. So what does that say? It says that he really loved people. Romans 16 and verse 1, Paul writes, and he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. 
Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Aphenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, my dear friend, and, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet, the house, or greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. We, we could go on. I think you get the idea here. He's got a deep passion for people to feel loved by him. Let, let's pray as we think about that. God, I ask that you teach us this morning. I ask that you help us to keep it simple as we think about our connections with others. That when we're with other people, they would get the most of our attention and the most of our love. And Lord, that they would just walk away from that interaction feeling blessed, feeling valued because of the way that we love them. We ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how to pronounce most of those names. I just went with it. Just being real with you, okay? Uh, but, but what you see here is his love for people. And I don't want you to miss the simplicity of that statement with the depth of that statement. What we see is his love for people. Love. Not love the way that we might show it on Facebook or the way that we might show it casually in a hello, but this is love based on someone who meant, who, who meant a great deal to them and they likewise to him this is this is a connection this is what i hope to be able to have this is my prayer that we as a church can have this with one another that we really really value and appreciate one another's uh, john john whitmer as he writes about this he says paul is demonstrating a tribute to his deep concern for people there's two ways that I want us to consider this connection and why Paul was able to connect so well with others and why I think we really long to and how we can kind of get there. So um, let's kind of start with this idea of what it is that's foundational for Paul to be able to maintain connections like this. And the first thing is the reality that he sees who people are through the eyes of Jesus before anything else he sees about them. He sees who they are through the eyes of Jesus before he sees anything else about them. Now, I just want to pull out some of the terms that, that we read over there. He's, he calls people sister, servant, saints, fellow workers, convert, compa compatriots, friend in the Lord, those who are in the Lord. These are all definitions of their identity based on not how everybody in the world might see them, not maybe how their family sees them or how their, their employer sees them, but these are these are understandings of people based on who they are in the eyes of Jesus Christ. That he's got a way that sees people. And the first and primary thing he sees about them is how do they relate to Jesus Christ. That's most important. And what that does is that brings an incredible equality where everybody is on the same playing field. There's nobody who's not worth my time. There's nobody who's worth more of my time. Everybody's worth as much love as I can give them. It's an amazing thing to think about. You know, mid-90s, 
my parents made the mistake of letting my brothers and I in our early teens, I mean, I was probably like 12 years old, made the mistake of letting us watch the movie Terminator. And you can imagine the fights around the house the rest of the week as we watched Terminator and, and, you know, lived out and played out Terminator. But as a young man, there was one thing that just was the coolest thing to watch. And it was a scene where you could see from Arnold's perspective, right, because you got Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the Terminator. You could see from his perspective, he's he's this robot man from the future. And you see kind of as he's looking out through his vision, this sort of robot computer screen where everybody he looks at, it's like, you know, civilian or potential threat or primary target. And he's looking at him and it just kind of it defines who he's looking at. I think Paul has a version of that, not in a bad way, but in a good way. I think Paul, when he sees somebody, he's going, oh, okay, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You serve at the church, so you're worthy of my love and affection in a way that is really quite remarkable. Not because of how you treat me, but because of how you connect to Jesus. So much of our lives are based on what will somebody think of me if I do this? Will they like me? Will they approve of me? Will they, will they think I'm a good pastor? Will they think I'm a good neighbor? Will they think I'm a good this or that? So much of our lives are based answering that question, will they like me? Paul sees in his mind, he sees, okay, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. My primary concern is that you feel loved by me. Not if you like me, but that you know that I love you. And it's a flip from the way that we do relationships. See, it it's challenging if you're honest. If you really want to be committed to this, I think we should. I absolutely think we should, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But it's challenging. I, I want you to know why it's hard to do this. It's hard because you don't get to play judge and jury. It's hard because you don't get to withhold affection from another brother or sister in the Lord based on what they've done or what they've said. It's hard because you don't get to look down or live based on assumptions of what they do or might do or or could do. You look at somebody and say, I see you through the eyes of Jesus Christ. See, that, that's why it's hard. You know, you know why I think you should? Because it's honestly the most freeing thing in the world. It's the most freeing thing in the world to say, I'm just going to love you. Because my God and my Savior is your God and your Savior. And there's something incredibly powerful about that to just say, I'm just going to love you. Because I see the investment that you're making for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to appreciate, I'm going to notice things in you that I wouldn't notice otherwise if I was too busy judging you. I'm just going to love you and care about you in a way that's genuine. Paul, Paul kind of gives us, by the way, the, the framework for how we would view somebody in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in a text that has always been very special to me. He says in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. That, that's what we call the gospel. That we faced a penalty because of our sin. And Jesus came and died so that we didn't have to deal with the punishment for our sin. So one died for all that all who believe in him might live. And he died for all that those who live, so that's anybody who places faith in him, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
that the very core of our behavior now is based on the fact that I'm no longer living for myself, I'm living for him. What does that look like in Paul's mind? What does that mean? We continue. So from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's amazing to me. He goes, you don't live for yourselves anymore. You, you live for Jesus Christ. Okay, Paul, well, what does Jesus want me to, to do? How would that change today and tomorrow for me? Aren't we, the way that you regard people, the way that you think about them, that's step one. Because Paul knows the way we treat people is based on the way we think of people. So step one is we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Though we once used to look at Christ that way, we don't do that anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Because you need to understand something. The new creation is here. The old is gone. And who they are in Jesus Christ is far more true of them than who they are according to anybody else in this world. That we would understand that about people, that we are looking at new creations. This is why he can make a statement at the beginning of Romans 16, and he says, hey, greet, greet Phoebe in a way that is true of the saints. Receive her in a way that's worthy of the saints. I don't know what your theology is about saints, but I've studied this a great deal. And saints in the scriptures are anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not like some special, magical Christian. It's anyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ. (coughs) And Paul says, treat her in a way that's worthy of her status. That she's somebody special because of who Jesus Christ is. And how we treat people should run, run through this filter of there's a general awareness of the fact that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. So generally speaking, this is just, gonna, I'm going to treat you. I, I had this really, really cool moment with uh, my two boys this past week. We were up in the mountains, and we did a little bit of, of squirrel hunting, so we're in this hunting blind. And uh, I'll never forget, I was looking out one window of the blind, and my, my other boy was looking out you know, this way, and he goes, Dad, there's a bear. There's a big bear, and it's right there. And I'm like, okay, are we sure it's not like a raccoon or something? No, that's a bear. That's a really, really big bear. I mean, it was probably three to 400 pounds, and it's 15 yards away from us. And I just remember being like, guys, don't make any noise right now. And they're like, they're like crazy trying to see out and see it and everything. And, and then it kind of like walks past us. And this is this massive creature that you can see is so powerful. And then it kind of walks away and we, we open up the door to the blind to be able to watch it. And, and one of the boys looks and he goes, you think it's going to try and eat us? Like, I don't think. But honestly, I don't know. Like I just, I know it's a bear, so we're going to respect it. Like there's a, when you're that close to an animal that big, there's just an awareness of this is how I'm going to treat it. Look, in, in a positive sense, what Paul does in Romans 16 is he goes, oh, y- you know Jesus? And there's a general treatment that you're worthy of because of your connection. You're connected to him, so therefore I'm going to treat you as somebody who's incredibly special. You're worth my time. You're worth my love. Life is simple, and I'm going to love you. And I'm going to love you deeply simply because you know the same God that, that I love. You know, I, I, here's, here's, like here, here's the, the statement. If you're hung up on this, 
How dare we get to enjoy life as new creations, but not let others? How dare we get to, to enjoy life as new creations where all our old is gone? It's just gone. How dare we get to enjoy life as new creations, but not let others? That we would let them have the status that we enjoy in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. But it's not just that he sees them through Jesus' eyes. It's that then, then as he becomes really good at seeing others in Christ's eyes, you know what he also becomes really good at? He doesn't just see other people in Christ. He sees Christ in other people. It's not just that he understands things about them. He looks at their actions and says, what you're doing is profoundly important. It's huge. When you, when you help out in the church or when you invite somebody to the church or, or you share the gospel with somebody, you're hospitable to somebody because of your love for Jesus, that's huge. It's, I mean, that's, that's the best thing that you can do with your time. When you love somebody, that's enormous. And Paul looks at it and he goes, wow. Like, you're my fellow worker. You risked your life to move this message forward. That You're, you're a celebrity in my eyes. You're incredible because you don't just belong to Jesus, but you live in a way that backs that up. This, this is enormous. And, and what you see here is, is this mentality that paves the way for real lasting connections, where he genuinely appreciates the work that other people do to help this mission move forward. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was wondering if, if any of you have ever had, a, maybe, maybe you like whatever sport you have, maybe it's football or baseball, but have you ever had an athlete for another team that you really couldn't stand their behavior? Like, you couldn't take their antics, you, you thought they were, they were overconfident, you thought they were too, too much about themselves, and they, maybe they played dirty or cheap. In, in 2010, the baseball team that I like, the Milwaukee Brewers, they were really, they were making a push to be able to make the playoffs in the, in the next season. And, and they were missing one piece. And so of all the people they went out and got in the offseason, they got one of the guys I couldn't stand. His nickname was Tony Plush. And the nickname itself tells you a little bit about this guy wanting attention for himself. And this was a guy who would cause fights. He'd run out and take on the pitcher on the pitcher's mound. You know, he, he got upset and like threw his glove over the wall at some point. And just a bunch of antics where you're going, man, you're a child. What are you doing? And now all of a sudden, he's playing for my team. And I'm going, I don't know about that. Like this guy that I didn't like at all, all of a sudden, he's batting for the team that I love. And I'm thinking about that, going, I don't know how this is going to work. And then he's up, and the very first at bat, everything fades away. Why? Because at that point, I'm cheering for him. At that point, anything he does, positive, he's doing for the team that I'm, I'm excited about. How much more would that be true if you were on the team, and he's playing next to you, and he's batting in front of you, and you're going, you know what, when he's up, I'm cheering for him way, way more than I ever thought he would. I thought I would because he's on my team. That's what Paul sees in Romans 16. He goes, you're on my team. Andronicus, you're up to bat, buddy. This is incredible. You're my fellow worker in Jesus Christ. And what he sees is a camaraderie based on the fact that we're playing for the same team and having the same mission. You know, Paul would have known firsthand what this was like because Paul wasn't previously on the team. He came to know Christ later in life where Paul had a legal expert mind. I mean, he was a Pharisee 
And so that means he would have been an expert at pointing out the shortcomings of other people. How do you like that guy on your team? The guy who's legally a genius at proving how why you're doing something is wrong and, and why you shouldn't do what you're doing. Now that guy's on your team? Uh, cool. <laughs> and you know what happens? That guy becomes an expert, not at the shortcomings of others, but he becomes an expert at loving other people despite their shortcomings. He takes the genius, he takes everything about them and says, I'm going to love you, not based on all the things that I see wrong in you, but based on what I see right in you. In your love for Jesus and the things that you do, and, and he values people, he cheers for people as he keeps encouraging them to follow after Jesus Christ. He, he goes, you're on my team. I know what that's like. Now we're on the same team. And you think about this, Paul's writing a letter to a church that was really frustrating him. Like if you backed up to what we talked about a couple weeks ago in Romans 14, where they, they're just, you know, they're at odds, not even wanting to show up in the same place together because of the food they eat. And now here he is in Romans 16, and he's like singing their praises. Why? Because they're on his team. And he wants them to keep going. And that means something incredibly valuable for the connections that he makes for other people, with other people. They're on the same team. So because they're on the same team, then you know what happens? His time is on their side. Because I mentioned at the beginning the untold story here. And as I read this and studied through it, what jumps out is in order to be able to appreciate this many people in these specific ways, he had to have spent time with them. He had to have slowed down. I don't know, maybe he made some barbecue. I like to think he did. But maybe he just really slowed down and enjoyed people and made it, made it a priority and put space on his, on his schedule for it. You, you see things, he, he, he talks about warm relationships. He says, greet my dear friend. Greet my dear friend. This past Sunday, we had, uh, we had somebody show up uh, and share an update. It was one of our missionaries that we connect with. His name's Mark Lewis. And, and what Mark came and did is really, was really us trying to do what Paul does in Romans 16, to bring somebody on your team, somebody who, who is in Christ with you so that you can hear what God's doing there. One of the things that I, I think I kind of took for granted was how much that meant to Mark where he, he came into staff meeting this week, and I, I was under the weather, so I wasn't there, but the staff were telling me, this guy was just felt so incredibly loved that we gave him the time to be able to share what God was doing. In fact, uh, he, he came in, he was supposed to come in for like 25, 30 minutes in staff meeting. I think he came in for like three or four hours and just loved and appreciated the staff. And I'm going, that's, that's what we're talking about. That we value people like this. We, we do this with, our, with all our missionaries. Once a month, we try to bring them into a staff meeting, either virtually or in person, so, th so that we can just connect with them and they can feel loved by us and we can feel loved by them because that's what this is all about. For us to be able to get really good at being simple. And I say get really good at being simple because it's not easy. It means you have to be willing to let other people think you're crazy or think you're wasting your time. Get good at being simple. You want to know where to start? I'll give you one, one, one place to start. 
have nowhere else to be time with other Christians. Have nowhere else to be time with other Christians. You know what is a statement that is so powerful when people have said it to me? Where I, I maybe said, all right, well, I'm sure you're busy and, and, and I should let you go. And, and they say back to me, they say back to me a statement that's just huge. I got nowhere else to be. You know what I feel when somebody makes that statement to me? That whatever they're feeling, whatever else they could do is not nearly as important as this time that we have right here. I would love for us to be a church that has nowhere else to be time. To say this is way more important than any errand I could do, any, any task I have to get done, that we would just take the time to enjoy one another. I've talked about this before in a service where I talked about on a hunting trip out to Montana where the, where the guide say, said he was going to go grab coffee with the neighbor next door. And, and I thought, all right, well, that should take like 15 minutes. And like three hours later, he comes rolling back in as if nothing happened. And the first day, it really frustrated me. And the second day, it really frustrated me. And the third day, it really frustrated me. And the fourth day, I was like, wow, he really must care about his neighbor. He must really value them. Man, sometimes we make it complex. And I think we've got to be wise enough to see through it and say, maybe it's not. Maybe it's simple. I understand, uh, I understand this might be a challenge for you, this idea of really connecting with other people in a church setting. That might be a difficult thing for you because maybe you've been burned before. But we talk about having bad church experiences. I, I've had a couple in my life. And sometimes that, that kind of idea of a bad church experience keeps us a little distance, keeps us, lets us be hands off. Like I'll show up, but I'm not really going to connect with people. I'm not going to let them know my story or my struggles. And, and so I'll just kind of stay at a distance. Um, and, and I would push you past that. I would say that the values outweigh, the positives outweigh the negatives. That this connection that we see in Romans 16, this connection that I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be picky about because I want us to have this. I'm going to stand on this, that we as a church would really get good at loving people. I was, uh, I was in my house the other day, and my boys were having a typical Saxinger family debate as to which animal in the, the country of Australia is the deadliest. And they're going back and forth. And I was trying to get ready for um, a meeting that I had, and so I said, guys, why don't you just ask Alexa? And so they asked Alexa, what is, the, what is the most deadly animal in Australia? And Alexa says, how about I give you a top 10 countdown of the most deadly animals in the country of Australia? And my boys are like, yes, this will solve everything. And they go down this list and it's like, you know, a, a brown snake and it's like the man of war jellyfish and this octopus and, and they get all the way down and I'm like, who would want to live there? Like, seriously, there are more things that can kill you than that can make you feel good. Like, why would you want to live there? They have saltwater crocodiles. Do you know what that's like? Picture a bigger, angrier alligator that hangs out at the beach. Like, next time you want to go to the beach, do you think, I want to go swimming because I might get eaten? No. Like, you don't like that. And I'm, I'm listening to that list thinking, why would anybody live there? But you know what? There are some people who would say, I want to. It's worth it. The positives outweigh the negatives. There's something that draws me there. That's, that's my argument for why. Why, even if you've been bitten before in church. Why, if you've had a bad church experience, why you should stick it out. 
and why you should push past it, why you should find healing from God and love people well. You know why? Because the positives outweigh the negatives. Because, yeah, you might get stung, but God's going to do something incredible if you get past it. It's worth it. And you add in the sense of urgency that the gospel compels us to. We're, we're, we're not worrying about a bee sting while we're playing lawn darts. We're worrying about burned while we're getting, running into a building to rescue somebody who's dying. And all of a sudden, a burn doesn't matter that much. When you're flipping burgers on the grill and you get burned, that might be a big deal. When somebody's life's at stake, you run in the building and you don't care if you get burned. Because the urgency compels us to push past the potential dangers. I get it. Relationships can be dangerous because it might mean we get hurt. We're vulnerable. But the urgency of what Jesus Christ calls us to compels us. The love of Christ compels us to move past that. Say, I'm going to let people know me. I'm going to let people see me. You know what is powerful? I was just reading this this morning. Um, Paul is so incredibly transparent. He's the, most, he's the most transparent person I've ever met, ever read, ever seen anywhere. He's just going, hey, here's my struggle. This is it. This is my frustration. Here it is. I'm not hiding it. I'm not holding it. I'm not using it for advantage. This is just who I am. Like me or, or leave me, this is it. He's incredibly transparent, which means he's incredibly vulnerable, which means he gets to be incredibly loving. Let's pray. Our God and Father, I pray that we can be simple. I pray that we can slow down and have nowhere else to be. Because the most important place we can be is right in front of the most important person, which is whoever whoever we happen to be standing in front of right then and there. God, I ask that you retrain our hearts, retrain our minds to see people, not based on our history, not based on our assumptions, not based on anything that this world tells us to see in them. We'd see them with eyes of love based on their connection to you. I ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen.